a wonderful celebration today, but wonderful celebration last week. And I, I don't know if you were able to join us, but uh, over a thousand people gathering to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with us. And it was just a great time to celebrate and to remember and to thank God. And if you're here today because you were there last week and you uh, something of that compelled you to come back and to, uh, to explore further with us, you have made a very good choice today because what we are doing today is considering, and, and in the weeks to come, how do we live out the implications of Easter? How do we live out the implications of the good news of Jesus, what he has done for us? And as we put our faith in what Jesus did for us, it is something that changes us. How does this grace of God change me? And you have in your hands something very precious. This is the confirmation testimonies that the students have uh, written and shared in full with us. This is an absolute treasure. And if you at any point are, if you want to stop listening to me and you just sit and read this, you'll probably do better because they've said, honestly, you have said it better than I could. And, and I really enjoyed reading all these, except the one that was really late, but I, I love you. Um, you know who you are. I won't embarrass anybody. But they, um, I, I will look forward to reading that one. But this is, this is how faith changes people, and it changes young people and old people and children. It changes us all the same, and we want to explore that. Now, if you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, then you also have made a good decision to be here this morning. Because for all of us, we, we want to... We want to do what's right. We want to live in faith. We want to know and experience God's power in his presence. But the problem is for any one of us, we can get real stuck. Or we don't experience it or it isn't flowing the way that we would think that God would want for us. And so we are, if you're just starting to explore this or you've been walking it for a long time, it's the same thing. That we, the problem is, the reason we get stuck or the reason that it often just doesn't get off the ground is the reality of an internal battle within every believer. Look at verse 17. This is printed on the back of your bulletin. It says, The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it starts a battle. It starts a conflict. And we are changing allegiances from the old way, the old self, and here it's described as the flesh. And now that we have God's spirit, we now have a contest. We now have a conflict. And we, uh, we can't live that way anymore, but old habits die hard. Just this week, I was signing a, uh, a dismissal note for my daughter for school. You know, please dismiss to parent pickup line and not to the school bus. And I signed it 2017. And she said, Daddy, it's 2018, and it's April already. And I'm still writing 17, and sevens are more fun to write than eights, and my eights are sloppy. But the, the point is, when we have an old way and a habit of doing things, it can be very hard to just put that away, especially when it's still alive, and it's still, there, there's still something there. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so what is this battle? What does the flesh do to me? What does the Holy Spirit do to me? Uh, so what the flesh does to me, let me, I'll tell you right off, it's not good. What the Spirit does to us is good. And how do we keep in step with the Spirit 
as we seek to put away the, the old way. So let's pray as we do that. So Father God, this is for every one of us who has put our faith in you and those who are just seeking to put our faith in you. God, help us because we are people in battle and help us to understand what this is. Uh, we, we need you. We are desperate for you. We get to the end of ourselves and, and Lord, we seek you. And as we look at your word, give us insight. By your spirit, give us the power to understand and to move forward, and we just give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, back to verse uh, 16. What is the flesh? What is this thing? So uh, verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. The flesh is it's this Greek word, sarx, and it's our flesh, sinful nature. It's not that I have a spiritual part of who I am and a physical part of who I am. It, that's not it at all. It's I have a part of who I am that just desires what it wants. And there's the spirit, God's spirit in me. That's the part of me that desires what God wants. And the problem is our desires are broken by sin. Even as we put our faith in God, that brokenness is still something that God is helping us remedy and heal, but it's still there. And we can't be people who say, well, you know, I do what feels right. I do, you know, I follow my heart. Scripture teaches us that our heart is very broken and that in sin, you can't just do what feels right. Sin has caused too much damage to us. And before we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that Lash just ran unopposed. So there's an election, and there's only one box to fill out, and it just runs wild. But as we transfer our faith to Jesus, now we have, now we got two names on the ballot, and now we got a contest, now we got a campaign, now we've got a fight, and it's on. We are now, there's the old self and the new self, as it's described elsewhere in Scripture, Ephesians 4. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what the gospel has done, the good news of Jesus. What he accomplished through his death and resurrection is that we receive his spirit, and that is a freeing thing. We're no longer bound by our sin. We are no longer bound by the obligations of the law. We are, we are, Jesus fulfilled all that. He fulfills the law. He forgives our sins, and now we're free. And we have a, this beautiful freedom. Verse 13, you're called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the old way, in the flesh. You know, free, freedom is beautiful. It's, you know, sometimes we look at faith as, okay, if, I, if, I, if I'm a Christian and I put my faith in God, it's, I've been given a drawing with an outline, and I've got to color it in without going outside the lines. So, you know, you're a little kid, and you got the big fat crayon, and you're trying so hard not to go outside the lines and just stay in the boundaries. But that's not free. You could do okay with it, but I never did. The, but what God has done for us, it's more like the art teacher who puts a smock on the kid, gives him a blank canvas, here's all the paints and the brushes, and you just stand back. And that then can just, but it's messy. 
But that's freedom, and that's what God has given us. He said, look, you're not bound by all these you know, rules. Now you're free, but just don't misuse your freedom because freedom can go bad quickly, and that's what the flesh does. We, we can misuse freedom. When, and I've misused freedom in my own life I, I, plenty of times. One of the great moments of my life was getting my driver's license and borrowing my sister's Celica, and I had such wonderful freedom in that moment. Did I use that freedom to do good and wonderful things? No. I thought that a good use of that freedom was my own, you know, thrill to, to drive down Searles Road in Nashua and try to get the car off the ground. And it was the one hump that you couldn't get off the ground going up the hump, but you could go in over it, but it was in the other lane, so you had to kind of go over and and that was, you know, nearly kill myself or my friends or the, the neighbors there. And um, that was not a good use of freedom. You know, you guys are going off, some of you are going off to college. You won't be living at home, in, some of you. And that's, uh, that's an amazing freedom. When I got to college, I thought college was going to be harder than high school. It's, here's the big secret of college. It's not. Because you go to class every day in high school. In college, you go like once or twice a week. They don't tell you that in high school. I'm taking, so I took AP biology, which is kind of a college level biology, two hours every day in high school. Biology in college, three hours a week. I'm like, seriously, it's Tuesday? I don't have to go back to class till Thursday? This is amazing. So how do you use that freedom? You, you're given amazing freedom. You can, and honestly, this is how a lot of students do it. And I'm just, just saying, got all this freedom. What are you going to do this weekend? What, you know, what are you going to do with all your freedom? We're going to get wasted. Like, really? Freedom, so the point, and, and many do that, and some people have really bad freshman years of college, and then that's, that's my story. And so I end up getting kicked out of college. I misuse freedom. The, the point here is you have this freedom that God has given you. How are you going to use it? But you have to watch out because the flesh is real, and it's going to take your freedoms, and it's going to distort them. Um, the flesh and its desires. So look at verse 16. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That word desires is really not the word desire. It's the word over-desire, or sometimes we say lust or passion. It's, it's, a, it's an eager desire, too much excessive desire. So when the flesh is operating, we take a freedom, we take a desire, and we make it ultimate. We put it on the throne of our life where only God belongs. For example, even a good thing, approval, you know, human approval, that people approve of you and they, um, they, they approve of, of what you're doing, that is good. But if we operate in the flesh, the flesh takes human approval, puts it on the throne of our life, and then if we don't get approval, we feel like we're nothing. And if we get criticized, it's just devastating and crushing because human approval is on the throne of our life where it never belongs. That's what the flesh does. Think about money or success. Those are good things. Money is a good thing. Success is a good thing. But the flesh wants to take money and success and put it on the throne. And when we do that, you become workaholic or you will cut corners to get ahead or do something unethical because the goal is, is this thing. And it, it's a place where it was never meant to be. The flesh wants to pull it there. Parents with children, it is a good thing to love your children and to want to nurture them. 
But if you take your children and you put them on the throne of your life, and you just, that is the only focus, one of two things will happen. One is you will either crush them with your expectations, or they will crush you with your failures when they fail to meet your expectations. And there is no joy in that. Again, God belongs. God belongs on that throne of our lives. But the flesh wants to pull other things in there. Even yourself. You know, we are to love and appreciate ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So love and accept yourself. But your flesh wants to make you so focused on your ego and yourself that you can't even see past it. You become hyper aware of yourself. And, and when, the, the thing is with our ego, it really belongs on the floor of our life. So when it gets kicked, it just falls over, and you can kind of put it back up. But if you put your ego on the throne of your life, when it falls off, it shatters. And that's, the, that's how the flesh works. So this list here of what the flesh does, the acts of the flesh, is just a list of freedoms that have been gone wrong because the flesh is operating. And this is a terrible, terrible list. Look at verses 19 through 21. Um, Oh, and I get some of these from a book called Traveling Light by Eugene Peterson, A Reflection on Galatians. He really fleshes out this notion of this list. Uh, think about, just, let's just go through the list. Sexual immorality. That is really just a freedom to enjoy the pleasure of sexuality the way that God designed it, but the flesh uh, pulls it apart from the intimacy and the boundaries that God has put around it, and it destroys the intimacy. So, for example, I have a, a fireplace in my living room, and the fire is nice and warm and good when it's in the fireplace, but if I remove it from the context where it should be and I put it in the middle of my living room, it will burn down my house. But the flesh wants to, to do that. Impurity and debauchery. This is the freedom of festivity, but it rips it apart from the community from which it was intended, and it goes out of control. Idolatry is just the freedom of worship but it's separated from the true object of worship, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, should be the object of our worship. But when we, uh, when we put something else there, our flesh wants to put something else there, then that's just a poor substitute. Witchcraft, that is just the freedom to receive blessings from God. It's to receive guidance from God, but it removes trust in God from the equation. And then we have to force it or fake it. Hatred and discord is the freedom of goodness. It's, it's, the, it's righteous indignation against injustice and things that are evil. But it takes the righteous indignation and just makes it plain old indignation and anger. And hatred and discord flow. You see, every, all of these, they're just, there's, a, there's a freedom that is, is uh, the flesh wants to twist it and, and to drag it into something that it was never meant to be, a good desire that becomes an over-desire or a um, out-of-control desire. So, and the rest of the list. Now, Hobby's sitting there, he's thinking, JP just skipped orgies, right? So that was like, you know, the students are here and the pressure's on and, and I didn't, you know, there was like, don't judge me, man. <laughs> and the thing is, in Greek, that's not the way that we normally think that word is more about, this is more about eating and drinking and drunkenness than, um, and again, it's freedom to find joy and nourishment, and again, the over-desire leads to addiction and, you know, a good thing. Even scripture says alcohol gladdens the heart. It's not a terrible thing, but our flesh takes it and makes it something it was never meant to be. So, so there you go. 
All right, that's a random list. It's a chaotic list. That's what the flesh does. It takes our freedom, and it, it gives it too much of a desire to it. But what does the Spirit do now? The Spirit produces fruit in our lives, and it's produced in you by the Spirit, and that's an, not an optional thing. It's something that God is doing, and it happens as we put our faith in him. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize my disciples. Jesus said, every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown out. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not optional to bear fruit. That this is, this is the, just the natural outworking of God's spirit in our lives. And again, it's not just the reason we get stuck is because we're battling the flesh, but it's not an optional pursuit. So the question is, is this battle a reality in your life? Do you feel that, a pull of the flesh against the spirit? And if you don't, then are you even in the battle? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you received his forgiveness? Have you received his spirit? And here's what it does. Here's, here's just a... Let's go through this list. This is a much better list. Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's serving one another for their sake, not for your own, for what you get out of it. Joy is delight in God for who he is, not just what you get from God, but just because God is God. And that brings joy. And actually that brings steadiness because you don't have all these mood swings based on the circumstances of life, because your joy in God isn't dependent on your circumstances. Again, contentment is tied right to this joy. We talked about that a little bit ago. People say, you know, if you're, if you're not content, change your circumstances, and the Bible says your contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances. Peace is the next part of the fruit here. That's trusting in God so that we're not anxious and worried all the time. Patience or forbearance, you know, the ability to suffer and to be wronged without losing it or without becoming bitter or giving up. Kindness, you know, serving people in practical ways that flows from the fact that God has blessed you. Kindness is very closely tied to generosity. I've been blessed, therefore I can be a blessing to someone else. I have a certain inner security because God loves me. So I can, I'm blessed. I can be a blessing. Goodness is about integrity. Goodness is about being the same person all the time, not I'm one way when I'm here, I'm another way when I'm there. It's who are you when no one's looking. That is goodness and integrity. The next part of the fruit is faithfulness. That's loyalty and reliability. It takes courage. Gentleness. Gentleness is all about humility. Gentleness is not about being inferior. It's not about being weak. It's about having the humility that Christ has demonstrated to us. And lastly, self-control. Now, if you have all those other ones, self-control is likely going to be there with it, but it's the ability to do what's right rather than to just, you know, my instant desire, my flesh, being able to know the difference and to be able to, to follow and walk in step with what the Spirit's doing. And here's the thing. You look at that list and you say, all right, well, some of those things here, I'm doing okay, and other things I probably need to work on. But the word fruit here is, a, is the singular. So this isn't the fruits of the Spirit. In English, you could say fruit as plural or 
singular? In Greek, this is a singular. This is one fruit. So the one fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's, it's a super fruit, not a fruit salad, I guess. And your temperament, the way that God wired you, will make it easier to live some of this and not other parts of this. So some people are naturally gentle, or they're just kind of naturally faithful by temperament. But the thing is, if this is one fruit, if you're not growing in all of them, then it's almost that you're growing in none. So you know, someone might be very loving, but they're just anxious. Or somebody's very gentle, but they're just not honest. You know, maybe you exhibit goodness. You know, you're a person of integrity. You're righteous. But I'm not loving or sensitive, and I'm really impatient and judgmental with those who do not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit like I do through my goodness that I exhibit. You can see how you can't, you could take any one and be really good at it and totally miss what the Spirit is doing. And so we look at the list and say, ah, here or there, but you know, if these aren't growing, are we losing this battle against the flesh? So what we're going to do as a church, and I would pray that you come back next week and over the next number of weeks, actually re- leading right to the summer, which they tell me will come at some point, but each one of these, let's think about the battle, let's think about what the Spirit is producing and how do we walk in step with the Spirit. So that's it. So we, But real quick, cultivating this fruit. How do we, co- okay, how do we, Win at this battle, or how do we engage in this battle well? And Because at, at any point, any believer in Jesus Christ could be operating very much in the flesh or operating very much in the spirit. The first thing to, to foster this is remember, you belong to Jesus, verse 24. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. You, were, you are forgiven. So when you fall short, and your sin can make you feel guilty, but remember, he's he paid the price for your sin, and he bought your life with his blood on the cross. And you remember that you are his, and his spirit is with you. And fruit is not yours to produce. It's his spirit producing it in you. Remember the good news of Jesus Christ. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves, I belong to Jesus. I am loved and forgiven and accepted. I do not need to operate in the flesh. His spirit can change me. That's the first thing. Second thing, crucify the flesh. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. And, and there's other places in Scripture talks about killing sin. We need to see it, recognize it, name it, and kill it. The, the, uh, the Puritan John Owen, he wrote a whole book. And if you ever want a good laugh, get a copy of The Mortification of Sin by John Owen. And it's, it, it's impossible. I started to read it. I couldn't read it. It was nearly impossible. And it was written in English. Um, but it's just too, his, anyway, above my reading level, essentially. So, but he says he, this quote, I do understand. He says, do you mortify, do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. So we kill, we recognize sin and we kill it. And use the dirty list. Don't just use the sanitized language. For example, you could get with your small group and say, could you please pray for me? I'm being tempted a little. Or you could say, I'm struggling with sexual immorality, which is what that is. That's what's happening. But we use the kind of the nice language. That's why you get the dirty list there. Um, you could, I'll give you another example. 
You could say, I'm struggling. Could you pray for me? I'm struggling with my thought life. Or you could say, I'm struggling with impurity. You could say, hey, brother, sister, I think I need to, I need to work on you know, ordering my priorities in life a little better. Or you could say, I'm really struggling with idolatry. That's what that is. You could say, hey, I'm really struggling to get along with my coworker. Or you can say, I'm struggling with hatred. Name it and confess it and receive forgiveness. Remember that you belong to Jesus. And it's not easy to kill it. That's why, um, that's why it's such strong language here. Just have a good fight. Have a good fight. Um, one author said, he says, when we are crucifying sin, we are going after all that is evil all that desires evil, all that lures us towards evil, and we go after it like an intolerant, unaccommodating, spiritual assassin. That's our posture. That's crucifying the flesh. And then lastly, we walk in the Spirit. We keep in step, in verse 16, we keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25. You know, beliefs don't automatically change your life. You can believe all the right things. Um, You know, I know God loves me, so I should be free of worry and anxiety, but we're still just as messed up as everyone else. We, we need to take those beliefs and turn them into a walk, into action. And the role of prayer in this, oh man, if we can pray in the Spirit, because you can pray in your flesh. You just pray, God, here's my desires. Give me my desires. Or we can pray, God, fill me with your Spirit in such a way that I could put my desires to death and live your will. May your Spirit transform me and change me. That's praying in the Spirit. So our faith is not just believing, but taking action and walking in this. So, and, and, but, and lastly, Finish with this. Um, fruit is not something that, you, and I said this, fruit is not something you produce. That This whole fruit series could all go really wrong if we gather together every week and say, you know what, I'm going to be more loving, I'm going to be more patient, I'm going to work real hard and be more um, uh, kind and gentle. That's not it. This doesn't say be these things more. The command here is to walk in step with the Spirit and the Spirit will produce those things in us. So we call the series Fruit. We should probably call the series Spirit um, because it's not about us bearing fruit. It's about walking with the Spirit so that the Spirit can produce this fruit. And we will see it. Then we can use it and experience it for all it's worth. That is the freedom in which God created us, and that is what we pursue. Um, Amen.